How can the New York Giants build a better offensive line with what they have? We're talking about that and more on today's Locked on Giants podcast coming your way next. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of the Locked on Giants podcast is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. You got P-Train here, Patricia Traina, and happy Monday to everybody. Hope everybody had a good weekend. If you were in the Northeast like I am, it was a bit of a wet weekend, but hey, at least we didn't have to go anywhere, most of us at least at, at any rate. We were able to recoup from uh, Thursday Night Football and Giants starting a new work week. Got to get it turned around and hopefully we'll have better results to talk about in the days ahead. But for today's show, we are going to cover a couple of topics. We're going to talk about building a better offensive line. I have some thoughts about the offensive line, as well as um, basically some feedback to some of you guys who have written in to me with suggestions and questions about the offensive line. So we'll talk about that. Then we're going to talk about the defense, specifically the run defense. What exactly is wrong with it? And why is this such a big problem? And then we'll close things out on today's show with guys that need to step up. I mean, right now there's just a whole laundry list of guys that need to step up, but I have a few in particular that I think really need to bring it and, you know, regardless of the scheme, if the opportunities are there, you need to bring it. So that's on today's show. That's our topic for today. Um, Thank you as always for making us your first listen of the day, or if you watch on YouTube, your first watch of the day. All right, let's get into topic number one, which is the offensive line, build a better offensive line. Now I see a lot of times on Twitter. I see it in my emails from you guys, you know, oh, the Giants, where can they find offensive line help? Where can they find guys that can block? Guys, here's the bottom line. Here's here's the harsh reality of the situation. Besides the fact that if there was anybody worth, a, a you know, a nickel, if you will, out there on the streets, the Giants probably would have brought them in by now. But here's the thing. All right. So when you have a healthy Andrew Thomas in the lineup, you now have two first-round picks, right, Thomas and Evan Neal. You have a second-round pick, John Michael Schmitz at center. If Josh Azudu stays in the lineup, which I believe he will, he's a third-round pick. Marcus McKethan, who has been playing the last you know couple of games at right guard, is a fifth-round pick. These are all premium assets, guys. So at what point do we say, hmm, maybe it's not the talent Maybe this Groundhog Day that we continue to experience with this offensive line just not being good, maybe it's on the coaching. All right. Now, I go back to several years ago when Eric Flowers was on this team. And Eric Flowers, the Giants coaching staff, just insisted that he was going to be a left tackle. 
and it didn't work out. And what happened? Well, they got rid of him. He went on to another team. They That team moved him inside the guard. And hey, guess what? Eric Flowers became serviceable. So I can't help but wonder how much coaching factors into the problems we have seen with the offensive line. You know, and I, I mentioned that to start things off because when I give you the lineup that I'm thinking of that makes the most sense for the team moving forward, it's got to come down to the coaches realizing that maybe what they're doing right now just isn't the best way to go about. So with that being said, what is an ideal offensive line, at least in my eyes? Now, you might agree, you might disagree, but here's what I have. Andrew Thomas, left tackle, okay, that's he's not going anywhere. So once he's healthy, he's back at left tackle. I'm going to jump over to center. John Michael Schmitz, not going anywhere. As long as he's healthy, he's the center. You know, he's a rookie. He's still getting his feet wet, but he's been held, holding up fairly well at the center's position. All right, left guard, right guard, and right tackle. Here's where I would do a little bit of juggling. At right tackle, I would actually put Joshua Azudu at right tackle and move Evan Neal inside to right guard. Now hear me out on this before you say I'm nuts. To me, I watch Azudu, I watch Evan Neal, and I just think Evan Neal Still with the balance issues, he has heavy feet. He's kind of clumsy in space. Um, you know, I, the kid works his tail off. Don't get me wrong. It's not like, you know, he's lazy and he's, you know, doing what he thinks he should be doing. He's trying to take the coaching. But sometimes you just don't have it, you know. So if, you, if you're not a fit, if your skill set and physical abilities are not an ideal fit for what you're being asked to play, maybe it's time to say, hmm, Maybe we should kick him inside to guard where maybe he's going to be less of a liability, particularly in pass protection. So, you know, again, Neil, I look at, he's clumsy. He's got balance issues. I've seen instances where he's been on the ground, which is where you don't want to see, you know, your offensive lineman. And then I look at Azudu, who has been filling in for Andrew Thomas at left tackle the last, you know, the last two games while Thomas has been dealing with that hamstring issue. Azudu to me, his footwork is a lot better. His back pedal is, is decent enough in, in pass pro. Um, he's got much better balance than what I've seen from um, Evan Neal. He's light on his feet. So, you know, he's played right tackle in college. So why not solve two problems down the line with one, one move? And I say that because Mark Lewinsky obviously is not going to be on this roster next year. I think we can all agree on that. And I realized Marcus McCathin has been playing right guard. I'm going to talk about him in a second because I'm not getting, I'm not prepared to say he should be sent to the bench and never heard from again. But on that right side, I just can't help but wonder if Azudo at right tackle and Neil at right guard makes more sense. Now, I don't think the Giants are going to make that move anytime soon. I mean, you know, Evan Neal is a first round pick, as I mentioned. I don't think they're going to give up on him just yet at right tackle. I think they're going to try and see if he can work out his problems. But I would say if he can't work out his issues, that would be, to me, an acceptable uh, solution on that right side. All right, now let's talk about left guard. 
All right. So Ben Bredesen clearly won the position, but he's been dealing with an issue, an, an injury issue. He's in the, um, the concussion protocol, which he should probably be cleared from, I would think, this coming week. Um, he obviously was good enough to beat out Izudu for the left guard spot. But here's what I would consider doing, especially if Bredesen is not in the long-term plans. And I believe Bredesen, this is the final year of his contract. Why not move Marcus McKethan over there? to left guard, you know, start getting him snaps over there. I mean, look, during the summertime, the Giants were moving offense alignment all over the place to, you know, to get guys snaps, to, to see how they were would function, you know, who looked good, what combinations work. So it's not like they would necessarily have to be starting from scratch with this offense alignment if they were to shake things up. Now, I don't know if that's why they did things, you know, the way they did, you know, in anticipation that they might have to shake things up or if they were just doing it to make sure that they had guys that were experienced in case there were injuries. Regardless, I think Marcus McKethan, what I would do is I would maybe rotate him in a little bit there with Bredesen when Bredesen comes back and have an eye towards McKethan maybe being the left guard moving forward. So that to, to recap my idea for Giants offensive line, whether it be this year or next year, I would say Andrew Thomas left tackle that um, Marcus McKethan eventually as your left guard, John Michael Schmitz as your center and Evan Neal as your right guard and Joshua Azudu as your right tackle. All right. But again, here's the other thing, folks. And I said it before, I'll say it again. The coach, he needs to be there. You know, I, I hate to criticize the coaches because, you know, I know they are working at stuff, but the results kind of speak for themselves. And when you have, you know, three guys on your offensive line who are either a first round pick or a second round pick, and the unit is still not living up to expectations, you got to look at how you're coaching this team, that unit. And if you're get, really getting the most out of it, if you're, you have guys in the right spot, if you're teaching them the right technique, you know, that's to me is, is an element that I don't think we're talking about a whole lot of when we talk about this offensive line. And, you know, just I'll leave you with this, folks. Currently through three games, the Giants have allowed 53 quarterback pressures and 10 sacks. We could talk all we want about Daniel Jones and, uh, and deep passing game and this and that and the other thing, but how's a passing game supposed to survive under those circumstances when a, the quarterback is constantly under pressure? It can't. So I just feel that until that offensive line is solidified, the Giants can bring in all the weapons they want, and it won't matter if Daniel Jones doesn't have the opportunity to stand in the pocket, to get set up, to scan the field, and to hit those targets. So we'll see what the coaches do if they make any changes. You know, like I said, I think Andrew Thomas should be back this week. At least that's the hope. Ben Bredesen, I think, will be back um, from his injury. We'll see if the Giants roll with what they've been rolling with or if they change things up again, which would be their fourth different starting combination of the season and in as many games. So. All right, folks, coming up next, we are going to talk about the run defense and what I'm seeing there. And what I'm seeing there, yikes, not a big fan, folks, but we'll talk about that 
coming up next here on the Locked on Giants podcast. Hey, Giant fans, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates, right? So that's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. I myself have used LinkedIn Jobs to find qualified writers and editors for Giants Country, the site that I run over on SI's Fan Nation. And the process is not only super easy, but it's a big time saver. Simply add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. And simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize whom you'd like to interview and hire. So don't spend time sorting through endless resumes and dead-end leads. Put LinkedIn Jobs to work to you today for free by visiting linkedin.com slash NFL. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. You got me, Patricia Chena, P-Train, with you. And uh, happy Monday to everybody. We are starting a new week. And uh, just real quick, before I get into this next segment, just want to make a quick announcement. We have added a new feature to our subtext community members. Uh, basically, for those of you who don't know, um, subtext community members it's a special community of subscribers from the Lockdown Giants podcast, and it gives me an opportunity to text one-on-one with you guys. I do special videos for you, and we have a new feature that we have that I just rolled out this past weekend, in which we are throwing in a complimentary subscription to Inside Football. And for those of you who don't know what Inside Football is, it is a publication that actually I'm involved with, and we. Every week we have a post-game analysis. So basically every player who is on the roster, we break down their performance and we tell you, you know, what was missing, what was good, what wasn't. So it's kind of like a, a comprehensive film study, if you will, but it's in a written newsletter format. So the issues are usually about eight pages. We send them out via a PDF and we have people who absolutely love it, who have been subscribing to Inside Football for years, inside football being around since basically uh, the early 1970s. So I've been involved with that for, you know, well over 20 years now, I want to say. And, um, you know, that's a new feature that we're throwing in for our subtext community subscribers as we look to build up that community. So if you are interested in checking out the subtext community, uh, visit joinsubtext.com slash NYGiants. The, uh, there's a 14-day free trial. So if you like it, you do nothing, and then you pay only $4.99 a month after your 14 days are up. If you don't like it, you cancel before your trial ends, and you owe nothing. So hope you will check that out. All right, continuing on with our program, what's wrong with the run defense? I mean, I guess we could talk about the entire defense, but I want to hone in on the run defense in particular. So last year, the Giants finished 27th in run defense. This year, they are currently 26 through three games as I record this. Now, as I record this, the, um, the rest of the league hasn't played their, their third game of the season. But the Giants are allowing 138 rushing yards on the ground per game. What's going on here? 
overall, folks, several things. Number one, does this defense have a quote unquote dog, a guy with an attitude, a guy who, you know, is not going to take any snuff from the other team, a guy who's going to get in their face and want to impose the will of the defense on them? You know, you could look at the play calling and you'd say, oh, Wink Martindale is aggressive, you know, with the blitzes and everything. Well, big deal. It's not getting home. It's kind of like the bully who sits there and, you know, runs his mouth and nothing comes of it. But let's again, let's stick with the run defense here. All right. Number one, guys are not getting off their blocks. I mean, I see far too many guys just basically getting washed out in it or I should say caught up in the wash. And how does that happen? That goes back to that mentality, that dog mentality that. If your opponent neutralizes you, what are you going to do? You're going to fight. You're going to, or you're going to just sit there and say, "Okay, surrender." That's it. That's it. You know, I just don't know that I see enough of them fighting. You know, it's it's kind of like some guys I look at, and you know, I don't want to say they 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 look to avoid tackling or anything like that, but you look at the missed tackles and. The angles, and it's almost like, you know, where is the effort? Are guys just trying not to get hurt? Are they legitimately not sure how to tackle, which I would find hard to believe at this level? Why aren't they getting off blocks? Are they not punching? I mean, it's not like, you know, the guy in front of them is like Superman or something. So I just don't understand why the Giants defenders are just not getting off blocks. And that's not all of them. You know, I think uh, Dexter Lawrence has, has shown signs of life. Ashawn Robinson has definitely shown signs of life. But really, you know, elsewhere, I, I don't see it enough of it. You know, I mentioned Robinson and, and Dexter, nine stops combined. All right. So they're at least generating something. But the rest of the unit, I'm just not seeing it. And I don't know if it's just, you know, the run fits are not there or the effort's not there. I just, I just don't see an attitude by this defense. I see a lot of passiveness and that bothers me because they've got an upgrade of talent. You know, Bobby Okereke um, upgrades the linebacker unit. Micah McFadden played well last week against the 49ers. You know, O'Shane Zimenez played well against the 49ers, but there's just not enough ferociousness and not enough teeth flaring. And I think that needs to change, especially when we're talking about run defense. All right. Another problem I'm seeing with the run defense, offensive linemen are getting to the second level and clearing space out for their running backs to get into the second level and beyond. You know, I've mentioned this before, um, a couple weeks ago, I think it was, Jason Pinnock was the leading tackler on the defense. When your defensive secondary members lead the team in tackles, that means your front seven ain't getting it done, all right? That means that the opponent is getting deep into the second level and beyond, and that ain't good, folks, not at all. The average depth of tackle. Now, look, I understand this depends on we're talking about you know obviously a, a defensive back will probably have you know a larger average depth of tackle than say a defensive lineman but 
that can be a deceiving stat as well, because, you know, if you're bringing your cornerbacks up and run support, then that kind of shortens the average depth of tackle. Okay. So according to pro football focus, there were 10 guys on the Giants run defense with an average depth of tackle of three or more yards. Ideally, you want to try and get the tackles within three yards, not outside of three yards. So again, I know that stat can be kind of misleading because it depends on where a guy is lining up. You know, if a guy is five yards off the ball, but still, if, if you know it's a run, come up and make the play. And I don't think guys are getting up there fast enough to make the play. So I'm really not sure what's going on there. And then one other stat I'll leave you with regarding the run defense, zero forced fumbles. All right. Now, listen, I can tell you this, having been there, you know, to watch the spring workouts, having been at training camp, the Giants worked on ball stripping drills, punching the ball out of the ball carrier's hands. They worked on that every practice that I can remember. Have you seen that happen with, with these guys? I, I don't see it. The stats don't lie. Zero force fumbles. Now, I think it's there are times when you see guys, on specifically on the run defense, they go to strip the ball out, and in the process, they end up taking a bad angle, which is another problem with the defense. The angles have been just absolutely poor. So, you know, just a plethora of, of mistakes and issues. You know, I mentioned tackling before. How many times have we seen guys actually wrap up a ball carrier like you're supposed to? We see far too many, you know, attempts at the shoulder tackle or let's grab the ankles and see if we can ankle tackle or, you know, guys who, ju who just, they're not imposing their physical will on these guys. And it's a problem, you know? So this defense, you know, I don't know where the, the dog mentality went. They, I think they had it more so last year than they have it this year. But that's a big problem. And look, it all starts with the run because if these teams, if these opposing teams are able to, you know, on first down, pick up four, five, six yards and then bring up a second in short and then ultimately a third in short, guess what? The offense has an advantage. They can now open things up. And they could do anything they want. How about starting to force some second and longs and thirds and longs to where now maybe the advantage swings over to the defense and it's just not getting done. And it's a big problem for this team right now. So I'm not sure what the answer is other than guys have got to start developing an attitude. They've got to get ticked off. They got to go out there and just be prepared to smack around the opponent. And we're just not seeing that on a consistent basis, if at all. All right, ladies and gentlemen, coming up, what players need to step up? There's a lot of them, but I'm going to give you the ones that I feel are top priority that really need to step up in the coming weeks. Don't go anywhere. Hey, Giant fans. So between my work here on the Locked on Giants podcast and on Giants country and being on site to bring you all the latest and greatest Giants coverage, I just don't have the time to get to the grocery store to make sure that my fridge is full. Well, luckily, I don't have to, thanks to DoorDash. 
With DoorDash, I get everything I want when I need it delivered straight to my door. You know, for years, I've trusted DoorDash to also deliver freshly made meals from my favorite restaurants, as and they've never let me down. Now they've added grocery delivery to their offerings, and it's made my life so much easier. DoorDash has thousands of grocery stores to choose from, so you're sure to find one in your neighborhood that's right for you. You'll get what you ordered or they will make it right. And you can save on all your grocery and restaurant favors with a Dash Pass membership. Now for a limited time, you can get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 when you use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. That's 50% off up to $20 with no minimum, subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNFL. Terms apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. You got P Train, Patricia Trainer here. And this week on the Locked on Giants podcast, we got a full week of shows. I mean, like we always do, crossover Thursday will be coming up later this week. We'll have Corbin Smith of Locked on Seahawks. He'll be joining us for the crossover show. And um, we'll just see if we can get you another guest on the program. I know a lot of you like it when I bring the guests on to get a different perspective of the Giants so, so much stuff coming up here on Locked on Giants. And again, I appreciate you making us your first listen of the day. Or if you watch on YouTube, your first watch of the day, it is appreciated. All right. In this segment, what Giants need to step up? Now, obviously, folks, when you're one and two, the entire team needs to step up. I mean, look, let me just say this about the record before I get into the individual players here that I feel really need to step up their effort. The fact that the Giants are one and two right now, to me, is not so much a surprise. I think a lot of people expected that to be the case. What is a surprise is how they have played to get to one and two. All right. Six straight quarters of scoreless football. The defense just lacking that fire that it had last year. The sloppiness on both sides of the ball, you have um, drive-killing penalties. I believe the Giants have something like nine penalties on offense alone, five of which were um, drive-killers. The coaching operations, I mean, every week it seems like they either have too many men on the field or not enough guys on the field and on at least one play. So these are all things that need to get cleaned up. Let's make that clear. All right, now. That being said, I think if you were to take a survey of the New York Giants locker room, every single guy in that locker room would say he could play better. Here are some guys that I think are particularly standing out for the wrong reasons. Xavier McKinney, the safety. You know, it's interesting. Before the season started, McKinney had these cryptic tweets about being disrespected and all this, yada, you know all the stuff that players tend to do. All right. I get it. He's in the contract year. Maybe he feels like he should have been part of the party that got a new contract, even though financially it made no sense for the Giants. But here, here's the thing. Has McKinney made any plays that stand out to you that you say, wow, that was a game changer. Wow. That was a momentum swinger. Mm -mm, Not for me. And that's quite surprising. And I don't know if that's because of how he's being used. I don't know 
if you know something else is going on. But I can say that last week against the 49ers, McKinney just did not have a good game. And we have not seen a guy that we saw a couple of years ago when when he just put up career numbers. And, you know, between the injury history and this slow start, McKinney's got to pick it up. Because right now, I hate to say it, but he's playing himself off this team. And I like him. I think he could be a part of this, this team moving forward. But the effort and the production has to be there. And it's just not really where it needs to be, at least not from him, not from what we've seen in the past. All right. Another guy that needs to step up, Kayvon Thibodeau. Now, look, we did a story on or an analysis on Giants Country about how he was being deployed and, you know, the lack of pass rush and all this other stuff. And yes, part of it is the scheme. But here's the other thing with, with Thibodeau. There have been opportunities for him to make plays and there just haven't been enough. And, you know, again, I like the guy. I think he's going to be a good player for them, but just something is missing from that game, from his game. And you can only put so much blame on, you know, the scheme or what you're being asked to do. And look, you know, Thibodeau, here's here's the thing. I mean, against Arizona, there was a play in which the tight end, Jeff Swain, absolutely manhandled him. He swallowed him up whole. I mean, I was like, I couldn't believe it. Um, the sack that Thibodeau had against the 49ers, that was basically a cleanup sack that was, you know, started by DJ Davidson. All right. But from his pressure. So, you know, I I watch Thibodeau and I see pullers are getting to the second level. Um, he's had only four quarterback pressures and 27 true pass sets, a pass rush win rate, 6.7%. That's not good enough. Not for a player of his caliber and his talent. And I again, I don't know what it is. With him, I you know, he might say, well, look at the tape and how, how I'm being used and whatnot. Fine. But you can't sit there and tell me that regardless of how you're being used, that there's not opportunities to make plays. And he's just not making enough of them. So I'd like to see him start making some more plays within the context of how he's being deployed. Uh, Nacho. Rakeem Nunes Roches, cool nickname, cool guy. But, you know, when he's come in to, you know, relieve Dexter and Leo, I I can't honestly say I, I remember seeing him make a play that made me say, oh, you know. So I'd like to see a little bit more from him. Um, Bobby O'Karake, I, I think for the first, like, two, two and a half games, to me, it looked like Okereke was playing with a little bit of hesitation. Now, he did play a little bit better as the game went on against the 49ers, but I just didn't see him, to me at any rate, it didn't look like he was playing as fast. And it could be, you know, again, coming over from uh, a totally different defensive scheme in Indianapolis to this one. But, you know, you've been here all spring and all summer. You practice all this time. Things aren't starting to click for you by now. I, I I don't understand that one. 
Um, Deontay Banks. Now, this one's a head scratcher for me. Deontay Banks, you know, came into the league with a reputation as being a physical corner. And yet there are plays that I watch him and it looks like he's going at it half speed, like almost like he's trying to avoid being physical. So we really need to see him step up as well because he's going to be a staple of that defense moving forward. And right now the physicality is just, I, I don't know where it is, but we haven't seen it all that often. And then I'll just mention one other guy. And again, there are so many guys that we can mention. And I haven't even touched the offensive line, even though I kind of talked about it in the first segment. But I'm a little disappointed with Paris Campbell. All right. Promising receiver. But there have been quite a few times when he has lost his footing and gone down to the ground after making a catch. His yards after the catch hasn't been very, you know, good. And, you know, look, if you're going to have these, the deep passing game and he's going to be a part of this deep passing game, you got to get yards after the catch. You got to stay on your feet. And I just don't see that, you know, early on. And I'm not really sure what's going on with him. So that all being said, and again, there's others I could probably mention, but, you know, I only have so many minutes for the show. But here's what I will say, folks. The first three games are in the books, thankfully. Three games in 12 days. That's that's just brutal. The Giants have this break now, that, you know, an 11-day break in between week three and week four. And their season starts week four. Monday night against the, the uh, Seattle Seahawks. If the Giants lose that game, and continue to look lackluster. I don't want to see my mentions on the on Tuesday morning because it's going to get ugly. Let's just hope. And I, I realize, you know, you're going to sit there and say, well, why weren't the Giants practicing all weekend with all this work they've got to do? They have to get their days off. I don't know right now as I record this exactly what the practice schedule is going to be for the coming week. But... This team has a lot of work to do in a short period of time. You know, 11 days and actually eight days, if you think about it, because they had the weekend off. It's not a lot of time to fix a bunch of stuff. And the roster is what it is. But everybody from the coaches to the players, they have to find a way to pull it together and be the team with the attitude, with the with the, the fundamentally sound football, with the creativity that we saw last year. Because I don't know what happened to that team. I know every team's different, but you have a big core from that team on this year's team. And it just hasn't come together. And hopefully it does on Monday night. Otherwise, folks, it could be a potentially a long, long season for Giant fans. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for this edition of the Locked on Giants podcast. Again, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. Or if you watch on YouTube, your first watch of the day. I'll be back tomorrow with an all new episode of Locked on Giants. Until then, everybody have a great rest of your day.